Welcome to QSMU, where we share inspiring stories and ideas, helping you to find a lifestyle true to yourself. Hello, and welcome to episode 9. My name is Freddie Saliba, and today we're going to talk about conformity through both your work life and personal life, and how not being true to yourself can affect you both physically and mentally. You guys ready? Let's get into this episode. Today I'd like to welcome a single mum who combats her mental illness constantly while still following her passions and doing what she loves. She's a massage therapist, my therapist, Reiki practitioner, intuitive healer with a focus on chronic pain, mental health, uh, spirituality. Please welcome Kelly Paris. Hey, Freddie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. Uh, First, I wanted to talk about, I guess we'll start with uh, physical, mental illnesses and yeah, how that first came into play, if that's okay. Yeah, no worries. Uh, look, I think it's been, it's quite a long journey and it wasn't any one thing. It just seemed to be a progression of becoming increasingly unwell over time through uh, overwork, <laughs> periods of intense stress trauma, loss and grief. And I had PTSD that went undiagnosed for about a decade. And what happens when you're experiencing PTSD for those that don't know about it is your body goes into survival mode. And from that place takes its toll on your adrenals. It's very hard to live a life where you're thriving when you're in constant survival and reactive mode. And I believe really that it was because of that that I started to experience other physical illnesses, which started with glandular fever and led to chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia and other non-specified autoimmune problems, just random things that would happen. And so it felt like it just was an ongoing battle where I was trying really, really hard to be well. And every time I'd turn a corner, I'd face something else. (laughs) And so that has kind of been my journey, which the irony is not lost on me that I'm somebody who's been a healer and body worker for so long, yet who is so chronically unwell. Um, And that was really uncomfortable for me. And it kind of forced me to, to look for other ways and look at alternatives in healing and not just alternative therapies as such, but looking at the current research around trauma and how it affects our body physically. And I found a really good therapist, a psychologist who works specifically with um, trauma and pain. And so I worked with her for four years and she helped me immensely. And along that way, I worked on other aspects of myself. But I suppose the main learning out of it is that, you know, in our Western culture, things are very isolated. You'll go to the doctor and they'll give you perhaps a medication, which really treats the symptom of the one thing that you've got going on. And then more symptoms will pop up and it's just like whack-a-mole. And that was really difficult for me because we aren't separate. We physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we need to be well balanced in all areas. And it felt like I was running to different people to handle different aspects of of my life. And so the work that I came to do led me to be able to help people and support people manage all four, I suppose, because I realized that it was a huge gap, yet it was so important because all four parts are inextricably linked. And we need to be well in all aspects of self if we want to thrive. So this journey of being really unwell led me to... 
to find a new way to live that is wonderful for me and I now help other people in that realm. So it wasn't without its silver lining, that's for sure. Yeah, it's quite crazy. The I feel that Western society, it's not about healing, it's about illness rather than healing. Yeah, and then as you're saying, you get one part at a time as well. It just doesn't really help too much. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really support overall well-being. And what I found was quite disempowering. And I think another challenge that I've had is that even as a air quotes healer type person is that because I'm working in Western culture and Western society is that people then tend to want to come to me because they've been raised in this paradigm and then they want me to heal them. And all true healing happens within. I'm just a facilitator. I'm the space holder <laughs> and I support people's journey, but ultimately it's up to us. We need to be empowered to help ourselves and I see that as my role really is to support and empower people and often times I would come away from say a medical appointment or another specialist appointment and feel completely disempowered I didn't feel seen I didn't feel heard I didn't feel cared for or supported I felt judged how can I come away from seeing a doctor and feel like that (laughs) how is that the world that we're living in it's quite disappointing And then also often they'll either be so keen on giving drugs or not at all, depending which way they go. And it's just not really looking at you either, which does not help the situation. I found it so hard to find a good doctor recently. So Yeah, that'd be difficult too. I mean, even me, I'm in a fixed location and it can still be challenging. And, you know, sometimes we can be really lucky. And I'm certainly not saying that Western medicine is not without its place and that there aren't great doctors out there, but it's just been an ongoing challenge, especially with illnesses that seem to be coming up that are relatively new on the whole scheme of things there's not you know they're still guessing (laughs) they're still guessing but there's they're guessing about things that people from other cultures that have had their uh, medical history operating for thousands of years already know well and truly how to treat they know how important it is that we spend time in nature and that we get regular hugs and that we have people to support us and to listen to us and that more than anything that we feel connected and in the west we're so disconnected and then wonder why we're so grossly unwell and then we go to a doctor and they give us a pill which doesn't really resolve anything when i was in peru Um, learning about the Inca culture and the way that they conquer as well. Like it's not really conquering. When they went and met other cultures, they went, hey, you've got knowledge, we've got knowledge, let's kind of share it. But like with gods, they kind of implemented them a bit together. But they really appreciated the fact that even though they're different, they've got something that we don't. It doesn't mean that we're right or wrong. But then, you know, the Spaniards came over and they just went, we're right, you're wrong, and so much of it got lost. You just wonder. It's a real problem, you know, and it's happened worldwide over many centuries, you know, throughout the Crusades. I mean, it, so much of the the wisdom is lost, and now <laughs> any of those people that delve into those esoteric realms or spiritual practices or cross-cultural shamanism can be deemed as woo-woo. That seems so strange to me that we're discounting it or disregarding it because it has doesn't fit our model of science which is really in the whole scheme of things very new <laughs> so 
think that we're so smart and that it's not valid if it hasn't, you know, if that hypothesis has not yet been <laughs> proven in a laboratory. It seems absurd to me. I think it's really strange, yet it seems to be a common theme. And in particular, in our industry with myotherapy and that sort of thing, my way of practicing is very left of centre and not necessarily well received. And so I just didn't find my place in that community necessarily. I don't need to convince anyone. I would rather just do what I do and attract the people that need support from me than waste my energy trying to convince others they're wrong. There's just no need for that. And I don't want to put myself around people that are trying to convince me that I'm wrong. I just really listen to where the universe directs me towards knowledge. I always trust that I'll be led to the right book or the right person or the right modality that's going to help me help others. And really, how wonderful would it be if everybody put their egos aside and just shared the wisdom? Absolutely. When you first started with the massage before the chronic illnesses, were you more of the traditional, what they say, westernized massage or were you still a little bit of the kind of spiritual and actually to be honest, I was it was always the opposite for me. So I've always been like a little bit nonconformist and my mum was the typical new ager. And so as a child I spent a lot of time in meditation classes and the new age shops playing with crystals and all of that sort of thing. So I would kind of had my eyes open. We would go to a naturopath or a herbalist um, before we would go to a doctor when we were children. That was always the way. My mum always had essential oils and worked with plants. And so it felt more natural to me. But to be honest, I felt because I was always so different and not just in the massage realm, but in life in general, I suppose I felt like I wasn't really good enough or didn't belong. And so in that process of needing to go to study further to provide health fund rebates, which is a thing here in Australia that you need to do, I really hid those aspects of myself because somebody living with PTSD just wants to feel safe. And so all of those aspects I tucked away and I fully believe that that's why I became so unwell because I was just living to kind of air quotes succeed in my industry and denying so much of myself and I wasn't true to me at all. I wasn't walking to the beat of my own heart and life has changed for me and I've become so much more well since I started unpacking those parts of myself and reclaiming them, I suppose. Um, my journey of healing has been as much a, as a reclamation of those pieces of myself that I left behind because I believed I needed to to succeed and to fit in and to be loved and accepted, and I just won't do it anymore because <laughs> uh, I know the cost. I know the expense to myself by not being true to me. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but I was, I was always kind of off-centre and left, I suppose you'd call it. I When I did conform, it didn't work out so well for me. So now I've sort of, the pendulum has swung back the other way where I embrace, um, yeah, all of those parts that I left behind and welcome new knowledge. However, I love science, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I excited in that realm of things too when I find that there's now new evidence to back something that you know <laughs> I've been doing for a long time or I definitely don't discount its validity either I just understand how it works and I understand 
the industry and just because something hasn't been scientifically proven, all that means is nobody's put money behind it. Nobody's funded it. Probably there's no money in it because there's not a lot of money in people being well, is there, if, we're, if you want to go there. So, nope. <laughs> yeah, um, for me it's based on results. So if it works for someone, even if it's a placebo or, or, or whatever it is, it, like whatever works, whatever has you leaving and walking away feeling better for our time together, then that's what matters most to me. When, yeah, I was doing the my therapy and they were saying like, like for example, stretching hadn't been scientifically proven until like, I can't remember when it was, late, like in the 70s or something ridiculous. And they're like, so before that, it's technically not right. And you know, just because it hasn't been proven, like you're saying, hasn't been funded or, yeah, yeah. you know, like, it's just, come on, guys, like, calm down. I saw a meme somewhere once that made me laugh and it was about autism or something like that, how it was, you know, like there's an increase in, in discovery of it or like it's a new thing. And then someone said, well, Mount um, Kosciuszko wasn't discovered until, you know, whenever it was, but I'm pretty sure it was there the whole time, you know. <laughs> it's that irony of like just because greatest minds haven't proven it uh, doesn't mean it didn't exist beforehand. That is the best analogy though. <laughs> when you're saying before about conformity, what exactly do you mean? Is it the style of practice you are doing or the way you're doing the business or something else? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I feel like it just in life I typically don't conform anyway. But I've always been a contrary kind of person and would question everything. I guess that led into my business as well where I'm never likely to believe something just because someone told me, although I never necessarily need the science to back it up, but I would always do my own due diligence and I've never been a sheep. I've never been one to just follow blindly, put it that way, and I would do whatever I wanted to do so I might find something that works really well and it's never something I've been taught. It's just something that I intuitively discovered works well on a neck. And then I, I remember when I did my myotherapy because I broke my qualifications up and had sort of a year in between each one, we learnt neck mobilisations and I'm like, oh, that's what that's called. I've been doing that for 10 years. Like <laughs> I don't need someone to give me permission to do it. Like I'll just work within the realm of what I feel works for someone. I don't know, there's a certain amount of snobbery in the industry as well based around what qualifications you've got and who you're trained with and that sort of thing, and I just don't ascribe to any of it. For me, the fact that I've had clients coming to see me for 15-odd years <laughs> tells me that I'm doing something right, and the rest of it can be left behind as far as I'm concerned. I don't buy into it. But I don't try to be weird. When I was younger, I did. You know, I would deliberately wear odd socks because, you know, who said our socks should have to match? You know, that was I was such a rebel. <laughs> Like I would deliberately try and just do the opposite of what anyone wanted me to do. I'd always wear odd socks just because I couldn't be bothered figuring it out. Now I've just got all black socks. They're the same because I can't be bothered. (laughs) Same reason, but (laughs) yeah, find ways. Just hacks in life. I mean, but for me, I had perfectly good pairs. I just would intentionally wear odd ones. I'm pretty sure you know it annoyed my mum to no end at that. I used to think, well, you know, it's at that age where you're finding your way in the world and I would be, well, who says I have to do that? So I was pushing the edges. I've always pushed the edges of, well, who says I can't? You know, And even down to now with the way I live my life, who says I have to work for someone else 40 hours a week? 
offer a salary? Or who says I have to keep my business open when I'm incredibly unwell? I could just work from home and choose my own hours and work when I'm well. There's no one way. I just don't like to conform. I like to create and carve out ways that work for me and for my family. And I think a lot of the work I do is I call it intuitive success. And it's really how do we create success that is meaningful to us on our own terms, based on our own circumstances? Because we don't all have the same privilege as one another. You know, many of us are limited in ways, whether it's mental health or physical health, whether it's to do with the colour of our skin or our gender or our sexuality or any of those things. Many people don't have the same privileges as some others. Does that mean they don't have a right to have an equitable place in society and succeed in a way that is meaningful to them? Of course not. Everybody deserves a right to find their own bliss and to succeed on their own terms. And they may just need to find ways that are a bit out of the mainstream. And so I guess that's my version of not conforming is just to find your own path that works with you, what works for you and not needing permission, you know, <laughs> to do it. No, definitely not. And definitely in the my therapy industry, there's you need permission for all these different things. And they even have the, it never happened to me, but they talk about, you know, you have to have the notes up so good just in case someone audits you and you'll get all this stuff and you're like, Calm down. Yeah, pretty clear, babe. <laughs> uh, like, I get it, but... Uh, so you ended up when the chronic illness started to hit. As you said, it was a bit slower as it happened, but you started altering the way you worked. So ended up working at home and then also doing other stuff remotely as well. Was that kind of one thing at a, a time as well? Like, you came back to work for yourself and then... Uh, so you were working for yourself, but, I mean, back at your house and then... Just adding little things on? Yeah, look, everything's for me has been born out of necessity, really. Um, so I did learn my lesson after the first burnout. I ended up working for someone else. I was subcontracting to another chiropractor, but I couldn't get the days that I wanted there. So that's when I opened up a room at home as well. And then... As well, okay. Yeah, so I was sort of doing both. And then I had another chiropractor who had a room for rent. So I was doing a couple of shifts over there. And next thing I was back to working ridiculous hours. And then my shoulder blew out, you know. And so <laughs> a bit of a slow learner there. It really, like my body lets me know. And I had to have surgery on my shoulder, at which point I quit everywhere else and was just working from home. But actually during that surgery, my heart stopped. And then in recovery, 24 hours later, it almost stopped. Like it slowed right down a couple of times and it was one of the most frightening things I've ever experienced. And it really, that was, I'd say, the biggest turning point that helped me realise that I really had to change the way I worked and lived. So it, it was necessary. It wasn't just because I decided to, like it really was my body saying, hey, you know, this you can't do this, you can't work like this. What came out of that was um, my post-traumatic stress amped right up after that experience. It just sort of kicked it back in and I was living in a lot of fear and found myself not able to leave the house. And that was just such a struggle of a time for me. And that was when the epiphany really came that I had left so much of myself behind and really wasn't being true to me and doing what I loved. So I cut my hours right back, which is when I started working more remotely, offering my services online. And now I have another role where I do some administration for another business and I work at home doing that as well. So now I only work three days a week massaging at home. I don't want to do more than 12 sessions a week because my body doesn't like it. So out of that, I'm like, well, I can't live on that. I can't support my family on that. So what else do I do? I'm not one to get stuck in poor me. I just find solutions. I'm just like, well, 
what else do I need to do? I'll find a job working for someone else. And I, to be honest, that's not an easy thing to do with somebody with my predicament. (laughs) So to find somewhere that lets me work from home, that can handle the fact that, you know, some days I need to shuffle my hours around because I am a single parent. I've got three kids. Things happen. They need to be run around or they get sick. I feel really lucky to have this other job that has such flexibility and that I can work from anywhere as long as there's internet connection. You know, that's a real blessing for me as well. And then I have my other intuitive sessions that I created online to help support people through their interesting times in life, as we would call it. And I do that online as well. So again, I can work anywhere that I have an internet connection. And I've been really intentional about that because my goal is that when my children are older, I would love to move back to the country. And a massage business relies on me being solely in one place. And therefore, how could I ever leave? I've always got my eye on future goals as well in that I have this situation now where because of my children and their life being where it is here in the suburbs, I need to be here. And so I support myself here, but then I'm also planning for the day when maybe in 10 years where they're all out of here and I want my business to be remote so I can just pick it up and then take it to wherever I want to be at that time, which, you know, I'm a country girl. So I've just found ways to work around and... I think that's the only way if you want to thrive and not just survive is that you have to really go, well, what are my limitations? What are my goals? And how do these two come together? It's becoming more and more the idea of if there's a computer involved, you can work from anywhere. And I think as the years go by, this sort of work will become a lot more available. And it helps so many people out, especially people with chronic illnesses or kids. You can be a bit more flexible, which is amazing. I do feel really lucky. I realise that even though I may not be able-bodied, I have a level of privilege that I believe then it's my duty to make the most of because I think about the generations of women that came before me that just did not have these opportunities and there are many women around the world who still don't. I guess I feel a sense of duty in that sense to make the most of what I do have at my disposal and succeed as much as possible from there and bearing in mind that my version of success is maybe very different to someone else's and I think that's been key to me on my journey to wellness is letting go of what other people think success looks like and figure that out for myself. (laughs) What is success for me? The quality of my relationship, the health of my children. Some people might go, well, you're not successful. You drive a 10-year-old Mazda and you're still renting. Like, Because they have a different set of values. Yeah, I really look within now because my version of success means I'm available for my children and I can pay all my bills and we're all happy and um, and my relationships are really high quality. Yeah, so I feel like I'm successful within the realm of what I possibly can be given my current circumstances and I'm happy with that. It's not what everybody strives for but It really works for me and my success is totally based around the quality of my relationships. That's the main thing. This mainstream idea, it's just grow up, you go to university, you get a job, you get a house, family, kids, you know, all that, retire, travel, die. It's like, well, maybe that's not for everyone. But the fact that it gets implanted in everyone, (laughs) it's just like, okay, that's what you do. And the amount of people when I travel, so I went to Sweden for a year and a half and then came back. So I did a working holiday there and I did travel a lot around Europe and people were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got the travel bug. You know, it's good to do it while you're young. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be stopping anytime soon. Like, you know, but 
traditionally you would do it either when you're young or you're older. When you have kids, you have to stop. I don't know. There's options out there. Who knows what I'll decide to do. Everybody stays just because they have children. I mean, for me, my limitation mostly was that I share custody and therefore I'm somewhat at the mercy of what the children's dad wants to do. So I can't have that freedom. But by nature, I, I love freedom. So I could imagine that had my situation been different, that my kids could very well have been homeschooled and we could have been living in a gypsy caravan, you know, I don't know, like, I don't think it's for everyone, but you're right, that's, there is certainly a projection there from people or an expectation that if you get to travel, then you do it before you have children. Um, and then you go and settle down and you have a family and you get a air quote real job. And I think I did all of that and had everything that I thought you were supposed to want by the time I was, say, 25 or 26. I was running my family's hotel. I was extremely burnt out. My relationship uh, with the girl's dad was terrible. It was incredibly unhealthy. And I had two young kids. You know, we had multiple properties and nice cars and, you know, all the things that I thought I was supposed to want and I was completely miserable, like really, really unhappy. And I think there's this sense of a lot of depression perhaps and mental health issues are arising because people aren't supported to be their authentic selves and to go after their own passion and their own dreams. They're kind of made to feel like there's something wrong with them because they can't thrive inside the box and the paradigm that our culture has provided for them. Therefore, they must wrong with them i resonate with that so much (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous so really i just encourage people to find their own way and it doesn't have to look like what everyone else's way looks like absolutely so i was looking on your your website and you had for your your download that you give away on helping find your passion couldn't remember the exact term for it but you had your six elements and oh was yeah really amazing i have to fully do the exercise myself but Well, I'm glad you downloaded it. Yeah, look, the whole point behind that is because I see it like after many, many years of working with clients, it's definitely an ongoing theme that I see for people. So for me, you know, it was all about reconnecting to those parts of myself that I'd left behind and that I was really passionate about and the things that I loved and wanted to do. But so many people don't even know. But they really have had no spaciousness in their life to pursue that. And I have to give props to my mum here because even though we were still living in the paradigm where as soon as you're an adult, life gets real serious, something that she did was really encourage us to find things that we love and she put us into whatever we wanted to do, you know, music lessons or anything like that. We always had the opportunity to really explore those aspects of ourselves. And I didn't realise then because I hear I was using my experience as a metric for everyone else's reality. I had no idea that there were so many people out there that had no idea what they love they just don't even they're feeling just tired uh frustrated total apathy towards life because they've got no passion about anything and so the questionnaire is really just to guide people towards perhaps remembering things they did love and to be honest not everything that you did love once you'll love now but it just gets you thinking you know it kind of gets that motor running and helps you to think about things that you might like to do outside of the things that you're expected to do on a daily basis because if there is no passion if there is no joy then life becomes very unfulfilling and again I fully relate that back to physical and mental illness to be honest as a result of just having no joy in life definitely I'm not saying they're the only causes when you look that way um, without any passion without any joy you will likely end up unwell in some way that's for sure so is that similar sort of stuff that you do with the people online helping them yeah 
it is. Look, it's a real, on a case-by-case basis, depending on what somebody needs, to be honest, because what somebody needs, somebody might be going through a huge upheaval and what they need is somebody who's really stable who can support and love them, I suppose, just be a cheerleader for their soul, make them feel okay about who they are and the direction that they're heading and they may need some healing as well. But for other people, perhaps it is just an exploration that their biggest problem might be that they are just feeling completely apathetic towards their life and have no real goals and no motivation and are just flat and tired and drained all the time. And so then we would look more towards exploring their passions and making plans and goals around that. So, you know, it's it's quite diverse. It is on a case-by-case basis depending what somebody needs. But I spent a lot of my journey alone during my separation and my illness. I didn't have any family support around and, you know, I could have really used somebody to just support me and help me feel like there's actually nothing wrong with me, (laughs) that I'm completely lovable and acceptable and to just honour me in the place that I was and help me feel okay about that. And so that's really where this work came from is just to be there for other people in that capacity but they may not have access to that. And how did you initially find these clients? Really just some word of mouth and then some advertising. So, you know, Facebook is a pretty good way in various groups or different people that I know and have worked with um, and on my page, just sharing different offerings, just coming up with different offerings based on what I'm hearing reflected to me through my massage clients. What happens is I get people coming to me, different people consistently with the same issue. And I feel like that's my intuition kind of letting me know that, okay, there's another way that I can support people in this outside of the body work. And then I'll create an offering and I'll share it online and then people book in. (laughs) Did you do any official training or is it just been just intuitive and self-taught? My goodness, so much actually. I've done various certifications and trainings in all different sorts of things. You know, I'm a Reiki master as well. And last year I did three levels of training in the Healing Angel Protocol, which is really about connecting to the unseen worlds and our intuition and working in those with the elementals because, like, I'm quite the pagan and so I like to work with nature and plant spirits and mineral spirits and so I really spent a year kind of diving deep into developing those skills as well. And so everything I do is just always an add-on, various other courses. In these realms, they're not regulated industries. You know, you can call them certifications but it's you know, not kind of the same thing as when you go and get an advanced diploma. And so, again, I just kind of bump from one thing to another. I just trust that my guides are going to put in front of me the next piece of what I need to learn. And in October, I am doing a life coaching certification, which will be a six-month deep dive because I want to add that skill set, which is it's a bit of a shift in position from a healer to a coach. And so I want to be able to bring that element more in for people as well because I've been coached I've worked with coaches for the last three years and found it to be one of the biggest things that really helped propel me forward in my journey and helped me to succeed yeah I find sometimes you'll do that you know you'll go and experience something and go geez I really want to learn how to do that (laughs) and that's usually what happened for me I don't I mean I don't list everything on my website and, and you know no one really cares I think what people care about is like how can I help you exactly there was one thing when I first finished the my therapy and you're sitting there going I can do this I can do this and they're like first of all they don't know what half of these things are second they don't care like can you fix them not how do you fix them in some ways keeping it a bit simpler 
and really trying to help people understand the ways in which you can support them because realistically nobody cares that if I'm going to do cupping or if I'm going to do dry needling or whatever other thing I'm going to do to their body is not as important to them as will I have less pain as a result of the work we do today. Is there any courses or certificates that you did that do not use at all or you kind of regret doing? I rarely regret learning anything because no knowledge is a waste. Um, but sometimes you learn unexpected things or you maybe you learn what you don't want to do. And I think that's what happened when I did my, my therapy add-on. Again, I did it out of a little bit of scarcity and fear. One was that the clinic I was working in, people used to refer to me as just remedial. I wasn't a myopic, just remedial, and they were all myotherapists. And so that part of me that always feels not good enough was really triggered by that and felt like I needed to go and get this extra piece of paper because then I would be upright, which is absurd. But that was where I was at at the time. Also, because I was going to have shoulder surgery and couldn't work as much, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to add some study in because that part of me that just can't sit still and and rest would also do that sort of thing. Plus, you know, there's always been talk of perhaps that might be a requirement in the industry to provide health fund rebates. So I went ahead and did it and I got about halfway through and was really struggling not to learn the content, but to motivate myself. And part of that was because I had had the shoulder surgery and the near-death experience and all of that sort of thing. But I think the other side of that was I realised that this isn't actually the work I really want to be doing. I don't want to be measuring how many degrees of rotation somebody's got before and after their session to validate whether I've helped them. Like it's typically not how I would ever work. So those very clinical aspects of it, I really struggled with. And because I've always worked more intuitively and never had to worry as much about measuring degrees and taking notes and all that sort of thing. It just didn't rest well with me. But what came out of that was that I knew that I didn't really want to be a myotherapist. And then from that place, I was so sure then that, oh, okay, this doesn't feel good because I'm meant to be doing other things. And I felt like that was internal validation that I needed to then go and do the other more spiritual certifications that I'd been wanting to do, but too scared to tell anyone that I did that kind of work. But it probably wouldn't have got there had I not done the certification. You know, and now I've got it. If I ever wanted to teach, I have that extra qualification so I could get a teaching job. So again, I definitely don't regret it. I feel the same when someone asks to regret. It's like, yes, but no, but yeah, <laughs> exactly like what you're saying. It's not a great focus on your energy. You know, I, I look forward. I look back where I need to for the lesson, but I like to keep my eyes on what's ahead and what's going on right now. You also wrote a children's book recently. I have written a children's book and I had all the illustrations done and then my life kind of got turned upside down and I haven't published it yet. So that next on my list is to actually get it published, Um, but it'll be self-published. Speaking about the future, looking there. And as just a creative type person, I'm always doing new things and some things just take longer. The book was written really quickly and I found an illustrator straight away and it all happened really fast and now it's all just sitting there waiting to be edited and published, which that will happen probably in a few months, I think. So I thought it was going to be a quick thing and then it turned out to just take its sweet time, but that's okay. Everything takes its time, whichever way, you know. It'll get there in the end. Will it be just a physical copy or will there be... Uh, It'll be digital and physical, so I'll probably self-publish and then whack it on Amazon. I think it's like print to order, so it just gets printed as people buy it so that we're not wasting trees or having to buy like a 
gazillion copies of it up front and then have boxes of books sitting around. That's something I hadn't thought about. <laughs> yeah, and then I think that you can purchase like a digital copy through Kindle or something like that. They've also done some in-person speaking role. Last year I went to Canada and was able to co-facilitate on a print as well. I pretty much went in and did my healing and bodywork session to assist the coach on helping people when she can't get them over the edge on the mindset stuff. So then I do um, the embodiment work, I suppose, and take people on a journey to help clear things out on a different level. And as well, I did host my own video summit as well a couple of years ago where I did about 30 interviews with other people as well. So speaking, I think, is just a great way to get the message out. If you're wanting to help people and you're mostly working one-on-one or you're, <laughs> for me, being stuck in a treatment room or working from home, it's such a beautiful way to let others hear your message because you never know somebody else who might listen to you speak or might listen to me speak who is also right in the thick of being a single parent or dealing with health issues and wondering you know how will this ever work out for me to hear that you know it absolutely can and that you're not alone so I think sharing our message through speaking is a wonderful way to help to reach people that may not otherwise hear you. Uh, definitely exactly why I'm doing this totally I feel some people I mean certain people you feel that they resonate more with you or certain people just when they talk resonate more with more people sometimes you just have to you know you have to get out there or you know that you have to listen to someone yeah look you know what this is speaking has been a huge challenge for me because having PTSD the last thing you want to do is be vulnerable everyone has fear and everyone to a degree will be uncomfortable with vulnerability but when you're somebody who's experienced post-traumatic stress your own body will do everything it can to not let you make yourself vulnerable so again it's another level of what I have to go through to be able to actually get my message out there I experience fear in ways and and physical symptoms of that in ways that many other people wouldn't but I don't let it stop me because I know that it's important that I do it and you never know who might be touched by by your words and who might need to hear that message and if I don't do it you know nobody's going to hear it and maybe no one wants to hear it I don't know that's fine too exactly I'm okay with that I have got to the point in my life finally where I don't necessarily need anyone else's validation and if no one approves of me or accepts me that's okay because I love and accept myself and I really that's my main goal is to help other people get to that place as well where they can completely love and accept themselves and then choose them in their journey of life rather than what any external influence is trying to tell them that they should choose. How would you recommend for someone who is kind of struggling and looking for it? Is there a little tidbit information besides the little stuff that we've talked about? Uh, Look, I think the best thing from my perspective is that you reach out and ask for help from whomever you have support. That can be the biggest hurdle is that we don't think anyone cares or we don't know how to ask or we're too ashamed to let people know we're not well or we're not doing well. Asking for help is the first step, I think, to getting help. And therapy was an amazing tool for me, so I found a fantastic therapist. That was another great step. I also surrounded myself with people that inspired me and and that supported me. I didn't give any more time to people that wanted to be stuck as victims or people that wanted to sit around and piss and moan or whinge and complain. I don't like to gossip. I don't like to use my voice for negative things. I don't let myself 
go to those places that don't make me feel good. So that's, you know, another piece of advice, I suppose, is that, you know, if you're following people and they make you feel like crap on social media, unfollow them. If you're spending time with people that don't make you feel good, don't spend time with them. So healthy boundaries, those are a few of the things that were really the first things I needed to do to then create a container where I could start to feel safe enough to thrive was really just getting my support team around me and setting some boundaries with people that may not have been so supportive. And then learning and taking responsibility for supporting myself where I wasn't. It's very easy to focus on where other people aren't supporting us. It's not so easy to look within and ask hard questions of ourselves as well. How can I love myself more? How can I be kinder to myself? How can I support myself better? Where am I doing things that just aren't in alignment with me being well? And have you got any uh, projects coming up? Besides the book that's almost releasing? and Yeah, look, I do. So I'm looking to launch um, my intuitive success group online program at some stage soon, but I don't have a launch date yet because I'm just putting that all together. But I'll be taking a group, working through those steps of how to find and define success on their own terms, which is really exciting. I'm also just recording the first episodes for my intuitive success podcast yeah so that'll be fun it's something I've been wanting to do for quite a while and I've just now created the space to allow myself to do that and then yeah I'm starting this life coaching certification which is simply just something that I've really wanted to do for a long time so that's you know six months journeying in that I have to limit myself at some point you know because I'd do all the things like today if I could so it's been a journey being realistic about how much I can actually do and achieve given the fact that I have a business to run and another job and kids and and I'd like to get that children's book published as well in the next couple of months I think I'll leave it at that that's probably enough <laughs> all right well thank you for joining me I think we'll wrap it up here fantastic thanks Thank you for joining. Where can people find you if they want to look you up? Well, my website's a great place to start, which is kellyparis.net. You can find me on Instagram, Kelly Paris Intuitive, and on Facebook. I think my Facebook page is Kelly Paris Intuitive Success. Those are probably the best places to find me. Perfect. And yeah, I love to hear from people and hear other people's stories and experiences. So I'm happy for anyone to reach out and connect if they resonate or feel true to anything that I've said today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Freddie. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you want to get in contact with Kelly, you know how to do that now. And this week, I finally set up my newsletter sign-in. So pop onto my website and pop your email in and get some awesome updates. Not really sure what they will be yet, but I know they'll be awesome. And if you're listening, you know they'll be awesome too. Remember, folks, stay curious.